0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Exodus chapter 1 and we'll learn from Tom Cantor in the book of Exodus every Thursday and Friday. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. So welcome back as we continue our study in the book of Exodus. It's been a wonderful, exciting beginning of our study here and we are uh, here in in Exodus chapter 1. So let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for not only giving us the written word, Lord, but for sending to this earth the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We thank you, Lord, that you've also sent to us your Holy Spirit as the great Assister. Lord, the great one who helps us and reveals to us the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we study now in the book of Exodus, we pray, Lord, open our hearts, teach us like you taught Moses, so that we can also know you as Moses did, face to face, friend to friend, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're just going to read a few verses here in Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. Now, when we look at the book of Exodus, what we see here is a history where there are certain elements that unfortunately have been repeated in the history of the Jewish people. First, in the history of Exodus, we will see as we study here a dictator, the pharaoh, of Egypt, a strong leader with complete control over the Egyptian people, then we'll see how the Jewish people, under the blessing of God, prospered. And we'll find that this prosperity was not viewed favorably by the Egyptian people. As a matter of fact, we'll see how the prosperity of the Jewish people made the Egyptian Pharaoh and his people to be jealous And envious, which led to their strong hatred of the Jews. And we'll see how that strong hatred of the Jews moved Pharaoh and his people to slander the Jewish people. With a baseless accusation that the Jewish people would overthrow the government and somehow assist some hypothetical enemy to conquer Egypt. So they began to view the Jewish people as an actual threat to their own existence. And with that slander and accusation in place, that gave them the justification to threaten and attack the very existence of the Jewish people. And we'll see how that strong hatred of the Jewish people justified for the Egyptians making their lives Of the Jewish people miserable by enslaving them and forcing them into hard labor to make these pyramids. And finally we'll see how that strong hatred didn't stay still. And it moved until finally it caused the Egyptians to devise and implement a plan for a systematic extermination of the Jewish people with the killing of the male babies. Does that sound familiar? A systematic extermination. A final solution, as it's been called. Now we'll see how Pharaoh is perfectly described in John 10.10. As the thief. The thief cometh not, the Lord Jesus Christ said, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Then in total contrast, he said, but I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. We'll see how the Jewish people were no match for Pharaoh. Not at all. And the Egyptian people were much stronger than them. But we'll see how God sent a Savior to deliver them from Egypt. That Savior's name was Moses. Now, in the book of Exodus, Egypt is the nation or the place that Israel was delivered from. And it's so easy for us as we look at Egypt is to say, well, that was a bad place. That was just terrible. Nothing good there. But that's not how we should look at Egypt. Look, I remember one time how I got on a plane, was going to go someplace, just got myself settled in the seat and got my seatbelt on. and, And I looked over at the man sitting next to me and started to talk with him. And as soon as I detected, he had a very heavy accent. I said, oh, so where are you from? And he replied, Egypt. I said, Egypt? Oh, Egypt? I said, that's a very special country to me. The man looked over and he said, really? I said, yes, sir. He said, why? I said, well, my people spent a long time in your country, Egypt. As a matter of fact, they spent hundreds of years in your country. And when my people walked into your country, Egypt, my people were less than a hundred in number. And in your country, they grew into a people of millions. He said, Really? I said, Oh yes. And 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 at first, I told him, I said, at first, when my people arrived in, in, in Egypt, the Egyptians treated us so well. Oh, as a matter of fact, one of my people was actually one of your prime ministers in Egypt. He was the top prime minister next to Pharaoh, second only to Pharaoh. And he arranged and Pharaoh agreed to give us the best land in Egypt for our cattle. We were right there at the top. Of Egypt right there next to the Mediterranean Sea in the land of Goshen. He goes, oh yeah, I know where that is. I said, yeah. And our people were wonderfully treated as guests in your, in your country by your people. We were treated so well. And uh, not only did our people increase, but their cattle increased. They multiplied, multiplied. It was just wonderful at first. But the prime minister died. Pharaoh died. I don't know what happened. I said, you know, somehow the relationship between my people and your people, it just kind of got a little rocky, just a little rocky. I mean, first, the relationship grew a little rocky with this matter of enslaving my people. All right. So what what, what can you do? But then things got really rocky with the matter when they were being forced to build these massive pyramids that you have in your country. I mean, those buildings are so silly. They really can't even house very much. They're not used for housing very much. But what was really over the top was when Pharaoh saw that all of our newborn babies, and he saw them and he said, they have to be drowned in the river Nile that was amazing. I mean, and so I asked him, I said, do you know what I'm talking about? He says, no. He said he he really didn't know. He didn't know what I was talking about. I said, okay, well, let me see if I can give you some hints and see, then you'll guess. I said, we had a very famous leader. and, And one night he took all of the millions of my people out of Egypt. And after they first went out of Egypt, they went to all the Egyptians and, they, and they, they, they sort of collected their back wages, you know, what they were owed for building all those silly pyramids. It wasn't our idea to build the pyramids, but anyway, we had to build the pyramids. And so they got the back wages for doing that. And, and our leaving on that night, one night, our leaving was so famous that they wrote a book about it. And, and as a matter of fact, the title of the book is called The Leaving. Have you ever heard of a book called The Leaving? I said, the, you know, The Exit? do you know what I'm talking about in Egyptian history? And he said, no. And I said, well, maybe you'll know if I told you that the name of our leader was Moses. He goes, oh, now I know what you're talking about. I said, yeah. I said, and and, and after we left, I said, except for a few wars in 1948, 1967, 1973, we've all lived in perfect peace and harmony together. Uh, Anyways... So on behalf of my people, which still number in the millions, I just want to thank you for giving us such a nice place to grow from less than a hundred to millions. You know, I tell you that story because when we think of the country of Egypt, we should see it as a place that God used, because he did, that God used, he used it as an incubator to grow his people. We should see the country of Egypt as a training place that God used to strengthen his people. That was the place that God used to make his people ready for the next step in their lives. God said, look, Egypt is like a classroom. I'm gonna teach you students, my people, the Jewish people, certain lessons in this classroom. And I want you to learn these lessons, and I want you to never forget these lessons, and I want you to never lose these lessons, because God wanted for every lesson that the Jewish people learned in Egypt, it should not be forgotten, it should not be lost. That's why God instituted the Passover or the observance of the Passover so that everything that had happened for his people in Egypt and all that God did for his people in Egypt would never be forgotten, not be forgotten. Every year during the observance of the Passover that each person in their mind would be brought to that place of identification with the Jewish people as a slave as they were. The design of the year-by-year observance of the Passover was that so every person at the table during the observance would say, Oh yeah, I remember exactly the lostness of the lost condition when we were slaves in Egypt. I remember the desperacy of the despair that we felt there. I remember how out of that despair, how we cried unto God. And in this observance here, year by year, it's like I'm there. It's like I'm, the, I'm feeling the lostness. I'm feeling the despair and I'm crying to God. God, oh God, there's no hope. There's no help down here. If you don't help us, there's nothing else. And I remember how we learned when God answered the prayer and it's like I was there and I was with them and I learned with them, God, he's a prayer hearing God. And I remember how we learned that how we saw our people saw God's answer to our prayer of despair was God sending a deliverer, a mighty deliverer with miracles and power. And that miracle-working deliverer, Moses, he rescued us from Egypt. He was God's man that was sent to rescue us from Egypt. And I remember how we were rescued. And when we came out of Egypt, my people, and I identify with them, they didn't come out to leave God and say, thanks a lot. See you later. See you, God. No, no, no. But we were brought out To be a people of God. We were delivered to be bound to God forever. Bound with cords or ties of love and gratitude. To God who had saved us. And all those lessons were learned by my people in Egypt. And the person who was really involved in the observance of the Passover. He could say in this Passover I've set myself And I've accomplished what I've set out to do. And if I'm successful with this observance of Passover, I will go there in heart. I will be there in spirit. And I will learn with them the knowledge of God, who God is. And all those lessons were learned in Egypt. And when the Jewish people left Egypt, God wanted them to not leave what they had learned in Egypt. The people were to leave Egypt in their hearts, but not to leave what they learned about God and what God had taught them in Egypt. Egypt should be viewed by us as the place where God has put us on earth. We live in our Egypt. While we're here on earth, before we go to heaven, we're in our own little personal Egypt. And just as the Jewish people found themselves in Egypt in a hopeless state, in a helpless situation, so we here on earth, in our Egypt, we found ourselves also before our days Then we knew the Lord Jesus Christ. In our darkness, we found ourselves hopeless. We found ourselves, like them, helpless. And just as the Jewish people from Egypt, in that state of hopelessness and helplessness, they cried out to God for help, so we... In our lives, in our personal Egypt, we cried out to God for help. And just as the Jewish people found in Egypt that God was a prayer-hearing God and a deliverer-sending God and a rescuing God, so we on earth within our Egypt, we found out that God is a prayer-hearing God because he heard our prayer. We found out that God is a deliverer. Sending God, because when He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, He sent Him to save His people, to deliver His people from their sins. And we raised our hand and we said, We want to be, each one of us, one of your people. Save us from our sins. And we found, like they did, that God is a rescuing God. All of that, that's the knowledge of God. That's the knowledge of who He is. And just as the Jewish people were to leave Egypt, physically and in their hearts. They were never to walk away from God, but be forever bound to him in love and gratitude. And so we will leave earth physically, and we must guard our hearts that we don't have any of the spirit of Lot's wife in us. What's the spirit of Lot's wife? It's a longingness for the world. It's a desire to return. It's a missing of what was left behind. And you remember when the angels came to rescue Lot and his wife and his family out from the city of Sodom, that he told them, don't look back. And you remember that the spirit of Lot's wife, with the longingness for what she left behind, the missing of it, the wanting to turn back, caused her... To turn back. She turned back. And instantly like that she was turned to salt. A memorial. A warning. Physically and by the scriptures record. So that we'll always remember Lot's wife. And make sure that we don't have any longingness to turn back to the world. But we are to be forever bound to the Lord Jesus Christ in love and gratitude and face forward with him and when it came time for the jewish people to leave egypt it was important for them to not to in any way stay in egypt or turn back and when it comes time for us to leave earth it's very important and it will be important for us to not want to in any way stay on earth because what god said in micah 2:10 arise ye and depart this is not your rest because it is polluted it will destroy you even with a sore destruction but just as egypt was a place where the jewish people they grew and they learned about the hostility of egypt toward them and through their experiences in egypt they learned about who god was the knowledge of god especially about the love of god for them and they would never forget that just like that happened to them So we here on earth, in our Egypt, in our personal Egypt, we learn about the hostility of the world to Christians, to us as believers. And in our Egypt, in our little world of Egypt, we learn about God, especially his love for us. And when the Jewish people left Egypt, they could remember the words that God spoke to Jacob about when he was being asked to go down into Egypt. Jacob was being asked to go down into Egypt, and he was afraid to go down there. But God told him in Genesis 46:3, when he said, I am God, the God of thy father. That would be Isaac. Fear not to go into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. And when the Jewish people left Egypt, they could remember the words of God that he spoke to Abraham, his friend, in the dream that he had and what would happen to the people. And that was in Genesis 15, 12 through 14. And it says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterward shall they come out with great substance. God had told Abraham in a deep sleep that he had to say something to Abraham. And so he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I have something very important to tell you. First of all, I want to give you the overall theme of what I'm going to tell you. And that overall theme that God told Abraham was an horror of great darkness. Well, what's the horror of great darkness? First, the horror of great darkness was that Abraham's people, his seed, would be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Second, the horror of great darkness was that while Abraham's people were going to be a stranger in a land not theirs, that they would be enslaved. And it said, he said, they shall serve them. Third, the horror of great darkness is that while Abraham's people was a stranger in a land not theirs and enslaved by them, that they would afflict them 400 years and they shall afflict them. But then God let Abraham know that in the end, something wonderful was going to happen. And that was when his people, the Jewish people, would come out of Egypt, that they would emerge from that land. And here are the words, afterward shall they come out with great substance. Afterward, shall they come out with grape substance? So we could ask the question, what was the great treasure? What was the great treasure that the Jewish people left Egypt with? Well, when the Jewish people left Egypt, the most valuable possession they left Egypt with was not the valuables that they had asked and received from the Egyptian people on the night they left the most valuable possession that the Jewish people left Egypt with was their knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. There, in that country of Egypt, they had gained the knowledge of God. And they said, this is a treasure I cannot afford to lose. This is far more valuable. All the memories of the experiences that had happened to them down in Egypt that brought them the knowledge of God, they said, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Not for the world. That was the most valuable possession that they left Egypt with, the knowledge of God. And when the Jewish people were totally out of Egypt, never to return back, they looked back and said, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Because in Egypt, I gained the treasure of the knowledge of God. And I'll never lose the knowledge of God. And when we all get to heaven, when we get to heaven, when we are totally removed from the earth, never to return again, we'll never look back with regret, but we'll say, it was worth it all. Same words. It was worth it all because while we were in our Egypt, on earth, we gained the knowledge of God. And we'll never, we'll never throughout eternity lose that treasure The knowledge of God. Everything else, all the possessions that I owned and everything like that, let it go by. Let it go. Let it be burned up. But not this treasure. Not this treasure that I got. The knowledge of God. Throughout all eternity, we'll remember the experiences that we had on earth that brought us the knowledge of God. And it will remember how on earth, we, from the knowledge of God, we decided to fix ourselves forever. To the Lord Jesus Christ and an eternity of devotion to Him. Now, the Jewish people would, through their Egypt experience, learn an important truth. When the leadership changed in Egypt and a new ruler arose that knew not Joseph, when the mood of the Egyptian people turned from being for the Jewish people to being against the Jewish people, when their high life in Egypt, turned to a low life in Egypt, then all the Jewish people would begin to question, is all this really good for us? I mean, after all, what good could possibly come from this? That would be the time when the Jewish people would have to go back and rely on nothing else but God's words to his friend Abraham the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, that he would build them into a large and prosperous people. Thank you for joining us today. Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor would like to thank you for listening on this Thanksgiving day. And we're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. And we're thankful for the Jewish people that brought us our Savior and our scriptures. And if you'd like to reach the Jewish people with the Messiah and their Savior that they're missing, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Give us your name and information or the name and information of a lost Jewish person that we can mail a Tom Cantor testimony DVD or booklet to. Happy Thanksgiving and thanks for listening.